All right, friends. Thanks for uh, connecting to others. It is good to see everybody here. Warms me up to see everyone. Glad you're here. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights, the longest name of any church in Columbia Heights. I looked it up. I think we're the longest name. <laughs> we win that at least. Uh, I'm really glad that you're here today. Um, I got a couple of things just want to let you know about. One of the things I am looking forward to, the easy transition here. It's a preacher transition. We are about to start a series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and I love the book of Ephesians for me personally has been uh, one that's really um, cared for my heart and encouraged me and really challenged me through many, many years. You might notice I quote that often. Uh, there's just so much good stuff in it. And so we're going through as a church, a whole church, all of our locations uh, of hope in downtown and St. Paul, Lower Town are all going through Ephesians all spring together. So until it gets warm out again, Ephesians will warm us. Huh? Uh, I heard one moan. That was appropriate. <laughs> that was appropriate for the moan. Uh, I, I'm excited to tell you uh, a story this morning. Uh, it wasn't uh, real long ago, but a few years ago as we moved into our home in Columbia Heights, actually the first, I think it was the first week we were in our house. Um, I was in the backyard with our kids and we were running around and playing because there was someone working in our house. There was actually a, a we had hired someone to put um, floors. Our house had all cream colored carpet everywhere, uh, old cream colored carpet, especially in our dining room. And we thought with kids, that's, destroyed like in one day. And it was. And so we were getting new uh, floor laminate floors put in. And so there was this guy in there doing it. He was putting the floors in. And so we were outside not bothering him. And uh, he came outside in my backyard and he said, uh, hey, there's like something happened in your kitchen. I thought you want to know I'm heading out to lunch. And he left. And I thought, oh, okay. What's happening in my kitchen? Uh, I don't know. Is that like he's, he left a surprise? Did he bake us something? I don't know what's going on. And I came in my kitchen, and as we walked in the door through our sliding glass door into our kitchen, the ceiling hat was no longer flat. It was now like a giant bubble that was low enough that I had to duck under it. It was like a bubble of drywall. Uh, and at the bottom of it was uh, like a stream of water, and the floor of our kitchen was full of water. We had lived in this house just a few days. Um, and I did not know what to do. I'd never been prepared. I'd never watched a video about what to do with a giant uh, flooding bubble of water in your kitchen. Uh, I, I panicked. I yelled. I think I accused our girls right away. I was like, what did you do? Uh, which is a good dad move, right? To accuse your kids right away. And then I thought the best thing to do if there's a giant, like your drywall is full of water, is to pop it to relieve the pressure. And so I jam something, a spatula or something I could grab into it, which then caused a, an enormous amount of water and drywall and wet drywall is just like this pasty stuff. And it flew everywhere and the walls were covered with wet drywall and there was water everywhere. Now going into other parts of our house, I was soaked, we were soaked. My girls actually jumped right into action. This was this magical moment in our house. They ran and grabbed towels and we started mopping up. I ran upstairs because I thought, where's all this water coming from? We just got this house. I, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out, a lot freaking out. And I run up to the upstairs bathroom that's right above our kitchen. And uh, the sink was overflowing. It was just a waterfall. I share this because when I Google search for overflowing sink, this is one of the first <laughs> pictures. I don't know why, but it's pretty awesome. Take that in. Okay, sorry. This was the real picture. I saw my sink 
overflowing with water. Our whole bathroom was covered in water. It was all, uh, I learned that the bathroom wasn't, the floor wasn't even. Thankfully at that moment, because it made all the water rush to one quarter of the bathroom. Uh, There's the stream. And then that filled up the ceiling in my kitchen, which now was exploded. And uh, I turned off the water. Uh, The sink was full of, um, like, completely full of toilet paper, which I think was the problem. I diagnosed quickly. We're uh, mopping stuff up. There's water all over the place. Uh, And I could come downstairs. My girls look very um, uh, serious. And they say, uh, we have to confess something, which doesn't happen often in our home. Uh, They confessed that they were fighting over who had to turn the water off. And in that fight, somehow toilet paper got into the sink. And they decided neither one of them was going to turn the water off. And they were going to let it overflow. And it did. It happened. Their little mission happened. So, so I, I'm standing right now in my kitchen. The floor is soaked. We, we mopped up enough. The walls are like covered in wet drywall. I, and like, we just moved this house. Uh, and my wife is at work. And I'm like, I don't even want to call her to tell her what just happened. And uh, I'm, it's terrible, right? And in that moment, what, what do I do? I, Typically, if things were like little problems, I might Google them and like hope YouTube has a video. I had no idea. But I did what I always do in a situation like this, is I call my friend. I have a friend I always call. And I, I call him. Any home thing that I'm just like, I don't know. I'm going to cause more trouble than I should. I've learned over the years that I should talk to him first before I make decisions because I usually make things worse. I call him right away. I'm, stand, I'm soaking wet. I'm standing. My feet are wet. Our kitchen is destroyed. I didn't even wait to like clean up. I said, hey, uh, a lot of water just came in. There was a huge bubble. He says, don't pop the bubble. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> uh, should I leave the lights on? Turn the lights off. <laughs> I turn the lights on. Turn the power off. Mop it up. Get fans going. Open it. He gives me a whole list of things. I'll be there in a few minutes. Right, we start doing it. He comes over. We get all these things going. Thankfully, we got all these things going because not long after that, our house started drying out. I don't know if I would have even thought of those things. It, it really caused us way less damage. Our house got fixed faster. He's a contractor, so he has all these skills. And he just knew a guy that knew a guy. And so we were actually going on vacation. He said, you just go on vacation. We came home to a new ceiling, new fixtures. Everything was cleaned up. I thought, I'm so glad I know this guy. I like. I, I don't know what I would I would have cleaned things up and left the lights on all day while water poured through them. He, he, he told me to turn the water off. I wouldn't have thought of even doing that. I'm so thankful I knew this guy. I'm sure we all have people, right? The person you know to call when this thing's happening. Or maybe it's not because your, your kitchen's flooding or your sink is overflowing. Maybe it's just because like your life is in a spot. You've had a day at work. You've had a day with your family. You're just having a, a moment uh, of temptation or weakness, and you have that person. I know I can call you. I know you'll show up. I know you can come. I know you can fix this. Maybe you just have you just have that person you know who will know the right person. At least for some of us, this maybe as a parent that you just know I can call and you can give me advice or help help me through this. I'm so thankful for those people, and today I'm excited to think about that and think about what does it look like for our church to bring great joy to our community and to our own lives through the gospel? And do we see Jesus as this person? So that's my hope today is that we leave here maybe with a little more love and a little more uh, convincing that maybe 
Christ is the one we can call upon and we can actually call upon for our friends and also even encourage our friends to call upon. We're in a series just for two weeks. We're kind of remembering why we exist as a church uh, and why we specifically exist here in Heights, calling it for great joy in our church and the world. Last week, we looked at our church and uh, didn't quite look at what it looked like to move out towards into our community, into our world. We just were reminded that we are a church and that we're still here. That two years ago, we were commissioned out almost exactly two years ago uh, at our downtown location, a whole bunch of people were praying for us. And still, this week, I got a text of someone. We made these prayer cards. I bet a lot of you still have those in magnets. Someone sent me a text of the prayer card in their Bible. And they said, hey, I still pray for you every time I open my Bible, assuming you still need prayer. I said, oh, no, we're good. So you can, you can switch those prayers over. Um, and so we were commissioned out. And on January... 26th, uh, 2020, we uh, started a church. Uh, this is our first week over at Highland, just next door at the elementary school. Um, and we started as a, a group. We went online for a while, and then we started gathering here in this beautiful space. And we gather each week to remind each other of the gospel, to encourage each other to connect in community, ultimately so that the gospel would continue uh, to live in us, to grow in us, and that we would be people that, that could overflow that gospel. Uh, each week, I'd mention each week in our weekly update, we have the same phrase and we use this a lot, that we're people who follow Jesus together. This, this is what we do. We just get together to follow Jesus and we do that for great joy in our city. And we do that through the gospel as we meet in community and that gospel is on mission. And that's really our hope is that we could be people who could overflow the gospel. I get double points for using the same picture for two illustrations. Someone mark that down for some preacher points. <laughs> We'd be people who would be filled with the gospel to a point of like, we would understand who Christ is and what he has for us, the love he has for us, uh, the acceptance, the drawing in of us, that, that we'd be people who'd have that to a point where it would overflow and we would be that to those around us. Um, but it would start with that. And that's why our church exists. That's why we meet today. That's why we're here. So that each week we can remind ourselves of that good news and, and be those people. And so this week we're going to take the opportunity to look at what does that look like then as we overflow? What does it look like as a mission of a church? And I want to start uh, with a quote here from uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu. He passed away just, I think, the day after Christmas. Um, uh, he's a man, if you don't know him, who grew up in South Africa and did lots of work for his whole life, really, uh, in South Africa, uh, getting freedom and equality. Uh, he's a man who, who loves Jesus and often was quoted in saying our our actions and our behavior should come out of our faith in who Christ is. Um, and he says this uh, when they're asking him about how he, how he felt about how um, way back in South African history, uh, missionaries, or maybe that's like a loose term here, missionaries, people came in as missionaries and kind of took over the land. Here's what he says. He says, when the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said, let us pray. We closed their eyes and we opened them we had the Bible and they had the land. So it's referring to historically, they came in and as they would say, hey, here's, here's Bibles, here's who, maybe here's who Jesus is, um, but like we now are gonna uh, rule this area. We're gonna use this land. Uh, we now are in charge, but we did bring you the Bible. And so he, when he's being interviewed about this, of course, people would, you'd say, well, that's terrible. I love his response. So he says, well, some people reckon that we had made a very bad bargain. But no, 
love it. Even in the, in the notes for this interview, it says he laughs there. Can you picture that? No. Dear friends, no. For in a situation of injustice and oppression, the last thing you want to give to those who are oppressed is a Bible. Why would he say that? Why would he say the last thing you'd want to give to people who are experiencing injustice or oppression is a Bible? This is my hope today, is that we could understand why that Bible, why God's word would be such a powerful tool in the hands of people who are considered lower or considered broken or considered outcast. I love this. Is, this is what brings great joy from the gospel. And that's my hope today. We, one of our kind of founding verses that we looked at last week is from Acts 8. Um, and we're just going to look through Scripture today a little bit and be reminded of why Scripture brings great joy, why it reminds us of great joy. So in Acts 8, it says, uh, it reminds us of this moment where Philip, if you look here, just we'll skip right to verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. He came and, and told about the good news of Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Philip comes down, shares the gospel, um, and actually does lots of miracles and like is, is healing people all through the Holy Spirit and says there was great joy in that city. Right? Last, last week we looked at this, and this is something we talk about often here. There's great joy that comes from being freed, from being healed, from the gospel coming in and, and taking root and pushing out darkness in lives. So how did, like, I don't think Philip just did this. He didn't just walk in and go like, all right, I think I got an idea. I've been thinking about it and brainstorming. I made like some, some strategic plans. And we're going to follow my plans. And I think this will bring great joy to the city. You know, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is kind of the main character. It's Jesus ascends into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit comes on these people and they start doing, it looks like the things maybe Jesus was doing. So Philip, as, as a follower of Jesus, and even the people he was with would have heard the stories or probably many of them even experienced this happening over and over again when they were with Jesus. This isn't them creating a, a smart strategy. It's them just the spirit, Jesus' spirit, filling them and now them overflowing in that spirit. So I just want to take a few minutes to walk through Matthew 8 and 9. Just, let's just take a few days in the life of Jesus as the disciples and see what they would have experienced with this Jesus to see, is he the kind of person that I'd call up and say, I know a guy who can take care of this. I know a guy who can heal. I know a guy who can change lives, who can bring great joy. So we're just going to start in the, in the beginning of Matthew 8. And actually, um, I've been watching a lot of The Chosen uh, the show, and I just love it. I cry so much when I watch it. And Matthew 8 starts actually with his, the beginning of uh, one of the episodes of The Chosen. So we're just going to start there. Just to visually, let's enter into these few days with Jesus that starts here in the book of Matthew. Uh, and this is the first story, the story of the leper, when Jesus encounters a leper. It's a beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabb
Please. Please. Please don't turn the wish from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Do you hear what he says? He says, I, he's heard about Jesus, and he meets him. If you're willing, and Jesus says yes. We, we start uh, Matthew 8 with this. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. That, that alone should be enough for me to say, yeah, I know a guy uh, who can do some pretty incredible things, but it goes on. Next, uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and a centurion comes. It's a whole different kind of person culturally, a person who would be uh, a soldier, who would not be within that Jewish sect. He comes to Jesus now, T- totally different like a person from another area of life. You're like, oh, how does this guy know about him? He says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant would be healed. Do you have faith this guy has? He says, well, you don't even need to come see him. Just, I know that you could just say he's healed and he'd be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He's saying, I know that you have such authority over, over this suffering, over this brokenness, that you could just say it from right here, and wherever my servant is, he'll be healed. I know how that works in, in my life as a, as a soldier, as talking to people who are under me, and you are, you're God. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He's just showing off this authority. He he can heal leprosy. He can heal servants that aren't even with him, that aren't even present. You think, oh, maybe he has to touch them, like hold their head a certain way. 
to, oh, I guess he can just heal them from anywhere. And it goes on. Then he meets Peter's mom. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. This is just again, he's hanging out. He just healed this centurion's servants. And then he's hanging out with disciples and they go over to Peter's house and they see his mother-in-law and she has a fever and Jesus just touches her. Like on the way to have a snack with his friends, fever is gone. Again, comes and changes things. When the evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits of the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our, our infirmities and bore our diseases. So he just heals her, his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, and then many come, some that are demon-possessed. You remember this from our passage in Acts? It sounds very familiar. Evil spirits had possessed him and taken them over, and he drove those spirits out with a word, and he healed the sick. Remember this? Evil spirits are cast out, the lame and the paralyzed are healed. None of this is new. When Philip does this, he doesn't go, oh, that's wild. Have you guys ever seen that before? He's just, he's overflowing with the spirit of Jesus who has done this over and over again. The week's not, the week's not even out. This few days isn't even over. Then, right after that, they got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. You remember this? I always remember coloring this as a kid. There was like a drawing of them all freaking out and Jesus sleeping in the front of the boat. The disciples went and woke him up. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replies, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. In other gospel accounts, he just says, be quiet. And the water goes from a raging storm to just quiet. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They've seen, they've seen illness obey him and leave. They've seen uh, evil leave and be pushed out by him. They've seen people healed from a distance. He doesn't have to be with them. It's as if he kind of is always with all of us. And now they've seen his authority even over nature. Even the wind and the waves obey this person. Storms meet him and they're brought to rest as well. It goes on, another demon-possessed men meet him. If you remember this story, uh, they, they come out of like, uh, literally out of death, like out of catacombs, out of graves. And they come to him and everyone is scared of them. They're hurting themselves and other people. And Jesus casts evil out of them into a bunch of pigs and then run into the sea. Another classic Jesus story. And then he meets a paralyzed man. Remember the, the story of the man who gets lowered through the roof? His friends come because they heard about Jesus. And they're like, we know you can heal him. And he doesn't only heal him, but he forgives his sins. It's the moment when Jesus says, yeah, I, I can forgive sins and I can heal. Like I have power not just, not just to heal you physically, but heal your soul, like the brokenness that's in there. And then Jesus, uh, Matthew meets Jesus. This is a tax collector, one that kind of everyone hates. He's working for the government who's stealing money from people. And Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, I want you to come with me. He's been kind of witnessing all this that's been happening. He says, I want you to follow me too. Even though you're an outside, no one really wants you in the group. I want you in the family. And he invites Matthew in to follow disciples. And then Matthew invites a bunch of friends over to have a party. 
invites them over for a dinner party. This is where the, the religious people get a little upset and they say, why is he inviting all these sinners to get together? All these outsiders and broken people are coming together. What, is he, what does he think he's doing? And then right after this, a sick woman comes to Jesus who's, who's been ill for many, many years and she just touches his cloak. They say he's in a crowd and she just touches him and he feels his power go out and she's healed. He says, you have this great faith. Just, I think I could just touch your cloak. I knew who to come to. All these stories are ending in this great joy of being healed and made right, brokenness being restored, evil being pushed out. In this story, the woman is healed and where he's going when he's in the crowd is to meet a, a, a little girl whose father just came and said, my daughter is like about to die. Could you please come? He says, oh, okay. And on his way, he heals this woman. And then he gets to the daughter. And they say, it's too late. She's dead. Now we, I, I have to imagine disciples at this point for a few days have been seeing nonstop healing, evil being pushed out, darkness pushed out, people's lives changed, the joy that's around all of that. But you get to this point like, this girl is dead. There's no way. You don't have that kind of power. Maybe over the seas and the, and the illness and the brokenness and the evil. And Jesus walks in and sits with her and tells her to wake up. He actually, the story says, he actually kind of chuckles. He says, like, well, she's actually just asleep. And they're like, no, she's not asleep. He goes in and says, get up. She wakes up and they actually have breakfast. He says, let's have breakfast together. You're that alive. We're going to eat together. And so we see this over and over and over again. The things that Jesus does, heals, makes things right, as well as the whole time explaining what that looks like, that God's kingdom looks like a place where things are made right, where people are healed, where brokenness uh, is fixed, not just physically, but again, our souls. And how does that work? He actually goes on then to go on a cross and pay for that sin that, that is ours. The, the brokenness that should put us to death, he, he takes on him and dies, takes on that death, but doesn't stay dead, raises from the dead, defeating death, hangs out with his disciples, goes and teaches more and says, look, there's, there's this kingdom, this family that you're welcomed into, that you've been broken and you weren't allowed into this and, and now you're, you're allowed in, I'm welcoming you in. At the end of Matthew, he gathers his disciples together before he ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit comes on them. He, he gathers them together and he says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says this. This is what we just witnessed, right? We just witnessed a little bit of this in Matthew. Throughout the whole gospel, we see this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He has an authority over all things. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go, go in and tell people, Gather followers of me. Bring people into the family. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing was a way just to symbolize them being in the family. It's a way to kind of uh, say, hey, I'm now going to go under the water and come out of the water as a symbol of my death and my resurrection with Christ, and now I'm in the family. It was this public way of saying, I'm in the family and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And I want to teach them what I've been teaching you, how, how God doesn't push you out of the family because you have leprosy, but in fact, he's made a way for you in your faith in me to be in the family. 
Go, go and tell them like they're not, not ever going to do enough to measure up. And that's not what it's about. It's not about a law and rules. It's about you coming to me, a relationship with me. So he says, go do that and surely I'm with you in all of that to the very end of the age. So this is our call. This is what we call the great commission in the church. Jesus' call to all of us to say, hey, as a family, as a body, in different ways, as you're gifted in different ways and you're blessed in different ways together, go and help others know this good news. We've been saying in the way, because it's going to bring great joy to them because they're going to be fixed. We know the person who fixes these things. When we watch the news and we say, that was, that's sad, it's broken, it's unjust, we know the one who ultimately fixes souls. And so we are filled with him as we meet and gather and the gospel fills us and that overflow that is us actually going and, and meeting some of those needs and actually getting to do that work that Jesus is doing, but also getting to say, we know, we know the one who fixes all this. We, we can call on him. When we're soaking wet and there's life splattered all around us, and we think, what in the world? I, we know who we can call. He's with us always. And that's what we get to do, not just in our lives, but we get to do as a church right here in the lives of people around us. We get to move out towards people and say, hey, we have really good news. All this brokenness, we know the one who can make it right. And so when Bishop Desmond Tutu says, for in a situation of injustice and oppression, the last thing you want to give those who are oppressed is a Bible. It makes all the sense in the world. You're giving people the story that points to the person. This tells us about Jesus. It reminds us that there's a person who can fix these things. It reminds us that there's an authority above any authority here on earth. It reminds us there's a power greater than any power on earth. It allows us to suffer well and find joy even in the midst of suffering. It empowers us to not just live lives grabbing at everything for ourselves, but being willing to move out and fight injustice with others. To see others as equal, that we're all sinners and broken. As Jesus sat at tables with sinners, he saw them all as just broken sinners who had faith in him that he could make right. And so the Bible teaches this incredibly powerful story, this incredibly power, true, powerful truth, which changes people's lives. And then it changes how they move out towards the people around them, willing to even give their lives to fight for what is right and bring the good, good news of the one who fixes all things. This is the good gospel that we get to bring. And so, so we, as we uh, say, we're, we're here for great joy. It's because we want to see the people around us know this person. We want to see them healed, lives changed, uh, storms quieted. And we know the one who does that. And so at Hope, as we think about this here at Hope Heights specifically, I just want to share with you, what does this look like for us? To not just uh, have the gospel and community, like we don't just gather and talk about how good Jesus is, how incredible God is, allow him to fix us and restore us, allow him to bring joy even in suffering, but we also then become people who overflow that. And as a church, we do that corporately and even individually. And so I just want to share kind of what that looks like uh, at Hope as we think about, uh, as we move forward in our year here. One of the things, uh, just practically, uh, we're thinking big, big scale, like globally, all over the place, 
Uh, Hope has a huge heart to see churches planted. Um, We give 16% uh, of our budget. That's just like our Hope, the actual organization's budget. 16% of that goes right back out into all sorts of things around the world. 5% of our budget goes right back into church planting. And so we help support church plants. We resource church plants. We have actually multiple staff who helps like train and be resources. Uh, Just Hope itself has helped plant uh, over 10 churches. And we are always helping many other churches plant. We we host a network of church planters that are constantly working to support and plant more churches. So there's more of these families all over the Twin Cities, the United States, helping people know Jesus, helping bring this good news out there. We give 4% of our budget to global church planting. And so we have people all over the world who are helping uh, start churches and training uh, uh, native people, wherever they are, to plant churches. We see that happening. Um, We're just even about to send out some more uh, people to help do that. That's incredible. We give 3% of our budget just to our city. not to like the city city, like to, to organizations that are helping serve in our city, uh, to, to larger organizations that are serving all over the United States. Uh, and we give 2% of our budget uh, straight back locally. So like here at Columbia Heights, we give 2% of our budget of what, what's given, goes right back out to bless. That's just, just that actually it's, it's more than that and other things we're doing, but two just goes right back into organizations that are helping support our community, helping bring uh, help people in different ways. Some just physically physical needs of caring for those who are uh, hurting or uh, need food, uh, or need medical help. Um, also, ministries that are helping welcome in immigrants, refugee families. We'll talk about that in a second. We are we are connected globally as a way to overflow to to see this mission play out, um, which is really exciting. Um, and some of you are really connected to some of these things that are happening globally. I think many of us though are more connected just even locally. Here's three of the organizations that we've really partnered with that we've uh, focused some of our partnership in saying who um, could really care for our community here, like in Columbia Heights and Frilly in our area here, our neighbors, the people that we're running into when we go to the store, who could really care for them? And so we give resources and a lot of our time because we say we want to love and care for these people. And so we work with Arrive Ministries, which is working with refugee and immigrant neighbors, um, a bunch of you here at, at, at Heights give time to uh, be partnered with families and help welcome families and care for them in many ways. You'll hear about it in a minute from a couple of hopesters. Uh, we partner with our, the Columbia Heights School District. We actually like are literally in the school, right, right now. Uh, we, we love the school as an opportunity to really care for our communities, caring for these kids and these families here. We do these in all sorts of different ways from we have a blue bin when you walked in the door. Um, that, that all of you have been filling with coats and school supplies uh, since the first day we met. We've been doing that in a way just to practically give supplies to teachers and care for uh, students, especially when it's chilly now, seeing uh, coats go out. People volunteering in the school in different ways. Uh, we have people here at Heights who have become big brother or big sister. Uh, that program is in all of our elementary schools here in Columbia Heights. They need many more people just to meet for an hour a week. Um, with a student just to encourage them and hear about their week. To have another adult who's like saying, way to go, I'm with you. Maybe everyone's all saying like, that's probably not a good idea. (laughs) I know I've said that a few times to my little, (laughs) like, oh, that's cool. Probably not a good idea. (laughs) Let's maybe not do that. Uh, Sometimes you just need like an adult. That's not your parent to say, that's dumb. Um, We are just starting to partner with Treehouse as we're starting to start a Treehouse, which is a organization that works with teenagers 
uh, in our community and in partnership with a couple of our churches in town, uh, hoping to start an opportunity to have people trained to be mentors to actually support our schools. I just was on an email chain with some people at the school who said we're so thrilled to get just some adults who will meet with high school, junior high kids, and just, just uh, let them talk and encourage them and hear how they're doing. Um, and then we've been partnering with Seika, which is a food shelf. It's right here in Columbia Heights for Southern Anoka. And uh, we have a whole uh, crew of you who've been helping there doing all sorts of things from delivering food uh, to helping organize the warehouse. Um, it, it's a joy, I've said this before, to go to Seika to deliver food and uh, people know who hope is. It's like, I hope people always show up and help. Uh, it means means a lot to hear that we're those people. And so uh, I just want to, I asked some people who are doing this, people who are actually have been active in doing this, have been kind of overflowing in this way, whether working with Arrive or the schools or with Seika from our church, instead of bringing them up like last week, instead of bringing them up here and you hearing the different stories we just, they just sent in videos. And so we're going to spend a few minutes just kind of celebrating with them the things God is doing um, it, with these organizations. And maybe you can hear a little more of what that is, maybe even be encouraged to Join us in more of that corporate serving in these in these uh, areas. I saw a need in the community through the families of the students that I work with, and our and working at Seiko was an easy, practical way to help meet those needs. Um, when I'm there, I volunteer on Wednesdays to help pack food for families to come and pick up. And on Saturdays, once a month, we do deliveries to senior citizens. I would say a highlight of my being there is getting to work with the high schoolers on Saturdays when we pack the boxes. It's a lot of fun to get to know them in a more relaxed setting. Um, and on Wednesdays, I get a chance to connect personally one-on-one -on -one with community members and some of the families and students that come in to pick up their groceries. Now. And it's really cool to see all of my circles of friends kind of overlap um, as a longtime Heights resident, other parents in the community, kids from our schools, friends from small group and friends from Hope Heights all rally together and help fill that need. A highlight from my time working with Seika is on the delivery front, um, it's really cool to see repeat delivery recipients and get to know them a little bit by their name and, and spend some time with them as you're dropping off their food. Um, that's pretty fulfilling and a lot of them are, are lonely and look forward to that uh, connection. And that's been, uh, that's been pretty cool to uh, experience. I'm Dave Rudolph. I'm the, one of the co-directors here at Sake of Food Shelf and Thrift Store. I'd like to thank everyone here at Hope Community Church for all their volunteer efforts in this past year or so. Uh, you've done many things for us. You've uh, helped out with Sake Delivers, our delivery service for homebound seniors and people with differing abilities. Uh, working produce drops, handing out produce during the harvest season. Uh, volunteering here at Seca, uh when we're packing food for the clients or working in the warehouse. Uh, driving, uh, picking food rescue up at at uh, stores like Cub, Target, Trader Joe's, and all these. Uh, shooting video. Had some great video that you guys have uh, shot here recently, and we're really looking forward to seeing that. And then donations, uh, whether it's money or food, uh, it's all appreciated. There's an old saying uh, that it takes a village to do something, and it really does take a village to run Seca. So I'll close out by saying uh, just Thank you for being a part of our village. 
Community Church. My name is Nicole. I'm a school social worker here in Columbia Heights at Highland Elementary. I just wanted to reach out and say thank you. Thank you so much for the collective gathering that you've done and the donations that we've received from you guys. It has been an amazing tool and resource that we have to work together and support students here at Highland. The school supplies, water bottles, headphones, all the winter gear, all that has just been so amazing to be able to get into the hands of students so that they can not worry about those basic needs items and just worry about being a kid and learning, which is what we want them to do here. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. We are so grateful for this partnership with you and all the support that you have provided to us and students. Happy New Year. We were just asked to highlight why we enjoy working with the Ride Ministries. We um, kind of just got interested from traveling and having exposure to a lot of different cultures through trips in the past. And um, when Lindsay was in grad school, we ended up hosting a Thanksgiving for the international students and about 50, 55 people ended up coming. And we didn't really realize initially how impactful it would be until they were all just completely thrilled the whole time and later heard a stat that around three quarters of international students never get invited to an American home. Um, so just kind of seeing that impact. Um, Lindsay took perspectives around that time and I did soon after, kind of heard emphasis on God's interest in pursuing the nations and um, just kind of started reading scripture with a new lens after that. Uh, we then took an encountering the world of Islam class uh, and just kind of got more and more involved as it went. Um, we're excited that Hope is also hosting a perspectives class this next semester. So if anyone's available, I think it's 15 weeks and it'll be hosted downtown. It'll be a great opportunity. Scripture I wanted to read was Leviticus, Leviticus 19, Verse 33 to 34, uh, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Yeah, I think that verse just talks to about like um, just the desire to love people, I guess, and care for people as if they're our own. Um, and so more recently, I guess, um, we've been connected with Arrive before moving back to Minnesota, but we've since moving back have partnered with NIMI and the Youngs um, with an Ethiopian family and more recently with an Iraqi family. And the Iraqi family specifically is more recent to the U.S. We picked them up from the airport. And so uh, it's little things, just being a friendly face for them. Um, we visited them a week or so ago and um, they hadn't even gone kind of in their local area yet. So they don't have a library, they don't have Wi-Fi, they don't have a driver's license. So it's some of those things, just walking them through bus routes and that sort of thing that um, can just help them land um, better here. Um, and arrive um, as you, if some of you went to the info session a few, well, might have been a month ago now, um, they're resettling many more families now. Um, so in 2021, they had seven times as many families as they did in 2020. And so there's a high need. Um, more and more families are coming through. Um, so if anyone is interested, I'll put my other plug in. The perspectives plug is the first plug. And the second plug is, you know, we'd love to get you involved with Arrive. And then how God is working in uh, us 
and others. I think obviously the impact on these families is quite huge. Um, but I think for me personally, a lot of it is around just hospitality and um, I tend to be an efficiency queen. And so slowing down, being thoughtful of others' situations, I think too, coming out of COVID, there's been a lot of focuses uh, focus on ourselves and how our situation has been so hard and you know, connecting and getting a broader perspective about what other people are walking through has just been really impactful, I think, for both of us. Oh, thanks to everyone who is willing to do that. And uh, the Wenzels, David Lindsay Bien, sent me that video. Like, you might hear our kids a few times. <laughs> like, oh, for sure we hear you kids. I couldn't, I don't have a filter to filter kids out on my computer. Otherwise, I could... That'd be worth a lot of money, wouldn't it? If you could make a kid's filter. Uh, as you hear, there's, the, there's just a few stories of people spending, uh, taking time to partner with some of these organizations that we partner with uh, just to care and bless and, and really be changed themselves uh, as they reach out to those. If you're interested in getting connected to any of those SACA or learning how you can better uh, serve our schools or um, I with Arrive, you can ask me, you can email me. Uh, every week in our weekly update at the end, we have a whole little overflow section of ways you can connect in our church and in those organizations. So uh, take us up on those. We'd love to have more people. Uh, it's not only a joy that you, we get to bring, but it really is a joy to get to do these things. And it really is uh, a different level of joy when you can do it together. There's nothing like uh, doing these things together, uh, serving, even if you just get to see the other car down the road. Uh, who's delivering food, and you're like, gosh, today we're out together uh, doing this. I, we focused a little bit, or a lot, on kind of big, right, global, all the way, the people around the world doing this, that we support, that we're with, to more local organizations. And I want to encourage you, uh, just what does it look like every single day you're going to get the opportunity to do this? Lindsay mentioned in the video, hospitality. I want to encourage you with a moment that we saw, but zoom into it a little bit. We're going to zoom into this moment, uh, here as we end our time uh, in Matthew 9, where, 9, 9, where uh, Matthew himself has just been invited. As a tax collector, as an outsider, Jesus has invited him in, said, come with me, come on. Let's go make disciples. Let's help people know this great joy, this, this freedom that they have. Um, and so what does Matthew do? It says, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. He said, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. And then what happens? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, somewhere there, he says, follow me. And then Matthew's like, let's go to my house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with his disciples. I think in Mark uh, or in Luke, it says like he, he held a banquet for his friends. So other people, so Matthew has a dinner and says, come, you got to meet. You got to meet this Jesus. I, I know we're tax collectors. We're sinners. People don't want us around but this guy does. You got, you got to meet this guy. So he, he invites people over. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's broken people, right? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the wealthy, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, I love this because he just hear, overhears them saying this or, uh, or maybe he just knows because he's Jesus. Uh, and then he says, well, because you're thinking that 
People who have it all together should gather with me. That if I'm really God, if I'm really a, a great rabbi, then I should only be getting people who've gotten their acts together, have cleaned up and, and follow all the rules, right? Then they get to hang out with me. It's like a reward for being good people. And you say, no, 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 the people who need to be healed, the, the brokenness that needs to be repaired comes when I hang out with people who are broken, right? Who need healing. Who can say, I'm sick, I need healing. And they come to the one, the physician who can heal them. So I want to encourage us to consider here, what does it look like? It, maybe, I love it. I know many of us support uh, this global church planning that's happening. It's incredible. And many of us are part of these organizations. But I want to consider just what does it look like every day? God has put people in your life. You're going to run into people this week, whether it's at work or a neighbor. Or so when I'm at Aldi, I'm going to bump into someone, literally just bump into someone in the aisle right? They're going to give me like, the like, what are you doing? Look, in, in every one of those moments, we get the opportunity to bring joy. We get the opportunity to be people who restore things, who overflow all of this that Jesus brought, and we get to, the opportunity to bring good news. So what does it look like for you practically? In your day? Maybe that just starts with praying for a neighbor or a friend, someone who right now is really hard to maybe interact with in person, uh, or just, you know, the opportunity. You can pray though. You can pray. God, I know your spirit is there. Even if you're not, even if I'm not there, your spirit is there. What's it like to maybe interact in a way with a neighbor? Maybe be the person who reaches out, who moves towards someone. What's it look like to be a person who maybe invites people around their table so that you can share in suffering and share in joy, so you get an opportunity to say, hey, I, I know someone who uh, fixes that. I know someone who brings joy in that. I know someone who can heal that as we share just life together. So my encouragement for this year in 2022 is we'd be a church who would gather people around, that we'd invite people to the table, and that we'd hear many stories of just that. Nothing crazy, nothing fancy, just what if it looks like we're people who invite people to the table or maybe enter into people's tables and bring that good news. That could be very simple, like inviting people to this table as we gather on Sundays together. That might be a real big step. I may take a lot of courage. Maybe this is the year that you invite someone. And if I just heard a story of someone who said, I got invited six times to my church over three years by my same neighbor. And finally, we're like, fine, we'll come to your church. Uh, and the reason I met them was because they're now like a leader at their church. And they were helping uh, this prayer thing that I got to be a part of. They're like, hey, I'm leading this prayer thing. I'm so thankful my neighbor invited me six times over three years. Could you imagine how, like, much patience that neighbor? And so they just kept saying, you should come with us on Sunday. No thanks, no thanks, no thanks. Fine, I guess we will. And they did, and they found hope, and they found joy. And so I encourage us to be those people who invite people into our lives, and maybe even into this family. Um, one of the ways that we kind of put that in front of us is two years ago when we started our church, we made these big posters. Many of you had those in your home, and uh, we got to see lots of pictures of those. And we, uh, we highlighted them and colored on them, and we prayed for like every street in Columbia Heights and parts of Fridley here. Um, it's just a map of, of it. And on the bottom has this passage from Ephesians. We were just praying that people would find hope and joy in the gospel. And we actually printed them out smaller this time. With our 2022 budget, these got a little smaller. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have these though for you. We'd love for every household to take one of these home. Maybe it's just the one time. We're going to sit down at a meal and we're going to take turns praying for different streets, different things in our city. 
Maybe you put this on your wall to remind you to pray. Maybe you actually spend the next month praying and highlighting different places. But it's just a kind of a way to put this in front of you to be praying for the people in our community, in the, in the place that we are. Um, and then I also want us to, to, do, uh, to do that. I'd love for us to leave today and do that. But I also want for us to do that right now. So I'm going to welcome our worship team up. And we're going to spend, uh, we're just going to do it right now together. We're together now. And I uh, kind of get to tell you what to do. So <laughs> we're going to take a few minutes to pray for our city, for any of these organizations. Maybe you, something came to mind today um, uh, of where our mission, where our overflow goes. Uh, and we just want to pray for great joy uh, because of the good news of, of Jesus in these places. And so I'm asking you to gather if it's, whether maybe the people you just met, um, if you're comfortable praying with some other people, or if you're not comfortable, you can just sit and pray, or maybe you just want to sit and, and, uh, and wait until we sing. But we're going to take a moment here before we do communion. So in a few minutes, we'll have an opportunity to take communion that's outside of our doors. So you just walk out and we can't have food or beverage in here. So um, out, out in the hallway is communion. There's also people that will be in the back of the room that will pray for you if you need prayer. Uh, we'll be singing a few songs together um, just to worship Jesus, respond to the gospel um, together. But first, we're just going to stop and all kind of pray. And so in a minute, here, the, the worship team is going to play a song uh, just to give you some time to pray. So I encourage you to pray for Arrive, pray for our schools, pray for Sega. Think all the people involved in there. Think if you just need, think of like your neighborhood, who are the people you drive by, who are the people you sit by. Think of the world. Maybe there's certain missionaries or church planners you're thinking of or just places in the world. Um, love for that to share. So I'd love for you to do that with each other, but if you're not comfortable, feel free to sit. You guys ready? Cool. Let me kick us off, and then we'll just, just spend a moment here in prayer. Lord, we ask now as we um, stop to lift these people and places up that uh, you would bless them, that you'd put these people on our hearts, and that it wouldn't stop today, that we'd continue being people who pray, people who move towards, people who invite around the table. Not because we have great tables or great food or because our prayers are really powerful, but it's because of you, because we know the one who heals. We know the one who restores, the one who can calm storms, the one who brings life from death. I pray, Lord, that all, all that are prayed for, all the places and people, that joy could come to them knowing that good news. Amen.